Welcome to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is... John Van Trieste. And the destination... Shirley, 1950. Taiwan is full of historic sites that let visitors explore many aspects of the past. There are forts and temples, government offices, Confucian academies, old railway stations, and so on. But there are relatively few chances to meet historical figures at home in the places where they actually lived. The Chiang Kai-shek Shirlin residence is one exception. Here, from 1950 to his death in 1975, one of the main figures in modern Taiwan's history spent his days. Here, he welcomed important guests, such as U.S. Presidents Eisenhower and Nixon. But he also did everyday things, like sleeping, eating, and reading the newspaper. The kinds of things everyone does, but that history books and old photos often leave out. Chiang Kai-shek is a figure that continues to haunt and divide Taiwan today. Responsibility is often placed on his shoulders for the 228 massacre of 1947 and the abuses of the martial law era that followed. His statues have been attacked, his coffin was splashed in paint a few weeks ago, and there continues to be talk of repurposing the prominent memorial to him in Taipei. But his old Shirlin residence serves not to humanize a dictator so much as to bring him down to human size. It is a fancy residence, but by no means a palace. Inside, you'll find artwork by Chang's wife, Song Meiling, who was an accomplished painter. You'll also see personal belongings like beds, a Bing Crosby album, a sewing sampler, and presidential clipboards for Zhang to read government reports on. Standing in spaces like Chang's living room makes him real to visitors in a way that books can't convey. Here you can feel a period of history directly, sensing in the background the harsh realities that came with it. The site of the Shirlin residence had originally housed a horticultural research station during Taiwan's period under Japanese colonial rule. With the Allied victory in the Pacific in 1945, however, 50 years of Japanese rule in Taiwan came to an end. Chang's Republic of China government took control of Taiwan in its place, and a guest house was built on the site of the station. A few years after assuming control of Taiwan, Chang was forced to retreat here after communist advances made it impossible for him to win the Chinese Civil War. Taiwan and a few other islands were all that were left under his control, and while he dreamed of retaking mainland China, it was not to be. Chang's initial home on Taiwan was on Yangming Mountain to the north of Taipei. But in 1950, he moved to this guest house, which had been repaired and redone in a more presidential style. Here, he would spend much of the remaining 26 years of his life. On the outside, the main residence is unassuming. The grounds around it are beautifully manicured, but the building itself is a simple two-story western structure painted green. This color scheme was supposedly chosen to camouflage the building against the surrounding forests. If that's the case, though, 
It looks as though it was several shades too dark to blend in well against the bright, vibrant greens around it. Visitors enter this main building through a red carpeted hallway lined with fine Chinese furniture. Along the walls hang Song Mei Ling's Chinese brush studies of flowering plants and bamboo. Guests might wait here before being ushered into one of the many rooms within, all of which have been left as they were. There is a small living room, a dining room where the Changs also sat to watch movies, and a large living room more suitable for receiving guests. This last room, unusually for hot, humid Taiwan, was equipped with a fireplace. Upstairs are more intimate quarters. Tang's room for handling business, and the room where he slept and later died as he grew older. There's the room that he and Song Meiling once shared, as well as her private quarters, a study and a painting studio. There is a private dining room. We're told that the U.S.-educated Song Meiling preferred Western food, while Chang retained a taste for more traditional Chinese fare. And there is Chang's study. Where Nixon, the man who would later famously go to China, was once entertained. All around these rooms are personal touches. There are pictures of Chang's mother, and because the Changs were Christians, there are Bibles and a picture of Jesus. There are shelves of books and a collection of Song Meiling's Chinese dresses. Visitors are told she considered dressing properly for visitors to be a form of courtesy. In the background are reminders of earlier periods in their lives before they came to Taiwan. There are martial songs playing in the background to represent Chang, while his wife is remembered in World War II era profiles by foreign magazines and recordings of a speech she gave in impeccable English before the U.S. Congress. Outside this residence are places where the Changs kept birds, ponds where they raised fish, and a garden where both of them grew their favorite flowers. Away from the residence, out over the grounds, there is also a guest house, a hall where Chang's birthday was celebrated, a hilltop pavilion, and a chapel. Chang would climb the steep steps up to the pavilion, finished in 1963, and contemplate the view of Taipei below. Despite the fact that it was built the year of his retreat to Taiwan, Chang's chapel for prayer services was given the English name the Victory Chapel. And both Eisenhower and Nixon attended services here. Even after Chang's death in 1975, the martial law his government imposed on Taiwan would continue for more than a decade. Meanwhile, the Shirlin residence, where he'd lived out his life behind the scenes, would remain closed off for even longer. The first parts to open to the public only did so in 1996, a significant year that brought Taiwan's first direct presidential elections. Strangely, now that visitors have the run of the building, many simply stop at the gardens outside on the big sunny grounds. The place attracts the most visitors during the annual Spring Rose Show and the Autumn Chrysanthemum Show. The Changs can still be felt out here too, of course. For one thing, they started these gardens, but they seem to have moved more into the background, 
For some reason, the controversy surrounding other monuments to Chang's time and power doesn't quite seem to surround the Shirlin residence. Today, you're more likely to see whimsical sculptures in the gardens and schoolchildren on outings than you are to see protesters. Those who do go beyond the gardens and into the residence, though, will see Chiang Kai-shek as he lived his life. The residence makes him more than just a name and a face, and his time and power more than just a timeline on a page. His actions outside these grounds aren't really mentioned, but it's hard to avoid thinking of them. And with Chang himself seeming so real by the time you leave, his actions, their consequences, and the difficult legacy he's left may seem more real and immediate, too. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another Journey Through Time. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. <laughs> <laughs>